excellence is working toward an attainable goal that benefits everyone, while perfection comes from a place of great need, usually the need to avoid criticism and gain praise and approval from others. Sandy Coughlin Welcome to the Life Inspired Podcast. My name is Kimmy Ruth. I'm a writer and creator who loves deep conversations and a good story. I believe that life is a canvas, and the choices we make each day tell a story that we'll leave behind. That story matters, so let's make it a good one. Happy Monday, friends, and welcome to the second episode of the Life Inspired Podcast. So, I have a confession to make. This is usually the point where I jump ship from whatever creative project I've been working on. Last fall was the most recent example. I decided to launch a shop on my own website selling mugs and prints I'd designed along with the weekly newsletter that I had grand plans for. I did all the background work, launched the shop, sent the first newsletter, and came to a screeching halt. Why did I stop? Because I fell into the trap that John Acuff calls the day after perfect in his book, Finish. The day after perfect, John says, is the day that we hit a bump in the road or face unforeseen difficulties or just get off track. Most of us, when faced with the first glimpse of imperfection in the pursuit of our goals, decide that since we've messed up our perfect streak, we might as well quit. John has this to say about the process. This is the first lie that perfectionism tells you about goals. Quit if it isn't perfect. The genius in this first lie is subtle. It's not when it isn't perfect because that hints at the reality that it won't be. No, perfectionism tells you if it isn't perfect, as if you have the chance to run the whole track and go to the grave with a 100% on your tombstone. This is troubling to us because we don't want B's and C's when we've got a goal. We want straight A's, especially if it's a goal we've thought about for any amount of time. We will gladly give up the whole thing when we discover some error or imperfection in our performance. More than that, we'll even pre-quit before we've begun. That's why a lot of people won't start new goals. They'd rather get a zero than a 50. They believe perfect is the only standard, and if they can't hit it, they won't even take the first step. A dreary sense of what's the use settles about them like a thick fog. After all, I can't fail if I don't try. I think that's the key right there. We've fallen for the lie that imperfection and mistakes equal failure. And no one wants to be a failure. That's exactly how I felt after I launched my shop and newsletter last fall. Not a single product sold, and I quickly realized that the standard I'd created for myself for my weekly newsletter was just not sustainable. I felt, in short, like a failure. And instead of learning from the experience or tweaking things and carrying on, I was afraid to own my imperfections and decided that it would be better if I just quit, disappeared, forget I ever said anything, just like John was talking about. Have you ever felt that way? 
like the moment you come face to face with the reality that you are imperfect or the work you have done is imperfect, whether it's a project you've put out into the world or the effort you've made to reach a goal, whether that's eating healthier or exercising more or cultivating a grateful attitude, or if it's a mistake you've made. The moment imperfection happens on the scene, we pull back, we let go, we give in. We think that since we've already messed things up, we might as well just throw in the towel. But I'll tell you the one phrase that's beginning to change everything for me. It's a quote from a book called The Nesting Place by Mike Willen Smith. It's a book about making a home no matter what your living space is like, about finding your artistic courage, and most importantly, about pushing back against the internal pressure to be perfect. The line she uses is becoming a mantra in my own life. And it is this, it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. Let that sink in for a minute. It doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. Beauty is not determined by perfection. Worth is not determined by perfection. Value is not determined by perfection. Think about it. When a friend cooks you a meal when you're recovering from surgery, It doesn't have to be perfect to be delicious. When you crochet an afghan for your mom, it does not have to be perfect to keep her warm. When you find the love of your life, they do not have to be perfect for you to fall head over heels for them. So why would you demand the same of yourself? I have a bottle of red nail polish that I've kept in my collection for years, but I'd never worn because even though I thought it was beautiful and I harbored the fantasy about someday wearing it myself, I couldn't get up the courage to do it. I chickened out and would always pick a less bold, less visible, less vibrant color because I thought that if the color wasn't bright, my mistakes wouldn't be noticeable and I could at least fool everybody into believing I had perfectly polished nails. But with red... There's no hiding that. All of my mistakes would be visible. And I know you're probably thinking, seriously, it's just nail polish. It's not that big of a deal. And you're right, it's not. But it felt like it. And that's what perfectionism does. It takes inconsequential details and makes us cower in fear, believing that this small thing really is a mountain that is far too big for us to climb. With my red nail polish, I was afraid of wearing it because I thought it would make all my fingernail painting mistakes visible, and it would render my hands the opposite of beautiful. A year or two ago, I finally reached the point where I realized, this is dumb, and I was letting perfectionism steal from me the simple joy of wearing red on my nails. After all, no one is going to be examining my nails as closely as I've always been afraid they're going to. And no one's going to judge me for my homestyle manicure. Or not people that matter anyway. So, I pulled out the bottle and I painted my nails red and I haven't looked back since. Perfectionism is a thief and it is a liar. It steals so much joy and peace from us in the little and the big things. It's time for us to start breathing in the freedom of the truth that our efforts and our work do not have to be perfect to matter or to be lovely. This is something I've been having to face head on in creating this podcast. I am so afraid um, that any imperfection in the episodes or in the organization or the thoughts that I put out there or the audio editing, since I don't know how to do it super well yet, that all of these things would be 
disqualifiers would mean that this podcast isn't actually going to be a blessing to anybody. And so many times I have almost turned around and um, pulled back from doing this. But that's why this had to be the next episode for this podcast because this is my day after perfect. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, this um, this is the day when normally I stop the creative project because I make mistakes or I realize this is hard and difficult or I am just at the beginning of the creative journey. I am not in the polished final draft phase. This is the rough draft phase. But this is where I am putting into practice this lesson in this area of my life now. And I'm starting to change that pattern and that habit. And I want the same for you too. I have some other examples that I can share to illustrate this. I have a friend who makes the most amazing Nutella macarons. And one day she came to work and she brought us a batch, but they had cracked and they looked imperfect. And she has very high standards for herself. She's an amazing person. And she was apologizing to us for the imperfections of the macarons. And she was afraid that they weren't good enough to share, but she, she was brave enough to bring them anyway. And every single one of us who ate one of those macarons agreed that it was probably the best dessert we've ever had. And it was leagues better tasting than any of those perfect looking store-bought macarons. So see, it's that same principle again. It doesn't have to be perfect to be delicious or to bring joy to people. Another friend has been trying to eat healthy and lose weight, but we were having a conversation and she was talking about how she wanted to eat clean, but she felt like she couldn't. She felt stuck because she couldn't afford organic produce. And she said to me, if I can't eat organic, I can't eat clean, right? And I laughed because I could see it so clearly for her, but I struggle with the exact same perfectionist train of thought running through my own brain. It's so easy for us to think that because the action that we are capable of doesn't meet a particular idealized standard, then our action doesn't really count and therefore we shouldn't even bother trying. Just like that passage I read from John A. Cuff's book a few minutes ago. I told her that the most important part of eating clean is eating whole unprocessed foods and eating lots of fruits and veggies, regardless of whether they're organic or not. And we had a good discussion about perfectionism and making progress in our goals. And that girl has been making so much progress over the past several weeks. She's been eating fruits and veggies and eating clean homemade meals for weeks and is feeling so much more energized and she's lost eight pounds. And that's without doing things perfectly. So here's the thing we need to wrap our heads around. Our actions do not define us. We want to do things perfectly, present ourselves perfectly, somehow be perfect, but that's literally impossible. And the reason we keep trying to do this, to present this perfect image of ourselves, is because we fear that our mistakes disqualify us from the race. But winning the race is not a matter of never falling. It's a matter of getting up every single time you fall and persevering to that finish line, bruises and all. There's a line from a Macklemore song that jumped out to me earlier today. It says, I've got my city right behind me. If I fall, they've got me. And from that failure, gain humility. And then we keep marching. That's what it is. We have to be brave. We have to step out. We have to do the things and trust that every failure simply reminds us we are human. It keeps us humble. 
and we keep going and we trust that our people, our tribe, the friends and family and loved ones who support us and fight for us and love us and encourage us, they've got us. And they'll still love us through all of our mistakes and foibles along the way. They never expected perfection from us the way that we expect from ourselves. We never had to earn love. We never had to prove that we have the right to be here. I don't know why almost every single one of us struggles at some point with these feelings, and I guess that's just the tactic that the enemy uses against us, but that's what is underlying perfectionism. It's this belief that somehow we don't have the right to be here or to take up space or to do things that matter, and that if we can somehow do things perfectly, we can prove that we do actually have the right to. We can earn our place in this world. But God is the one who gave us life. He created us. He gave us the space that we take up. It was a gift. And a gift is never earned. It's only received and accepted and embraced and used. When we try to avoid criticism, we are giving in to the belief that perfection protects us from rejection. That if we are perfect, No one will ever be mad at us. No one will ever leave or abandon us. No one will dislike us. No one will look down on us. And we all just want to be loved and accepted for who we are. But we build these walls of perfection, thinking it'll keep us safe from being hurt. But one of my favorite writers, Hannah Brencher, says, Life is not about avoiding the bruises. Life is about collecting the scars to prove we showed up and we played in the game. And like I said a second ago, God is the one who gave us our place in this world. We never had to earn it. His love, people's love, is given, not earned. We don't have to earn love with perfection. Elizabeth Gilbert, in her book, Big Magic, says, Perfectionism is just fear in fancy shoes, pretending to be elegant when actually it's just terrified. Underneath that shiny veneer is just the deep existential angst that says again and again, I'm not good enough and I will never be good enough. At some point, you have to just finish your work and release it as it is, if only so that you can go on to make other things with a glad and determined heart. I love that quote because it helps us to look at things from a healthier perspective. The work that we do is not a be-all, end-all kind of work. It's usually defined projects that have a limited time frame. It's for this season, for this moment, and then we finish it and we move on. And if we try to stay in one place until we get it perfect, we're missing the fact that life is a river and it's moving on around us anyways. And if we don't move forward, we're going to find ourselves stuck in a place that we were not meant to be. We take too long with things that in the end don't really matter. We make mountains out of the red nail polish, thinking that it's a big deal and it's really important to get this perfect when really it's not that big a deal. Now, there is also something to be said for pursuing excellence and for being detail-oriented, for wanting to do things well, and there's nothing wrong with that. So let's draw a line, a distinction between these Um, because for those of us who are detail-oriented with high expectations of ourselves, 
it's hard to know where to draw that line. How do you know when you're simply pursuing excellence versus when you're falling into the trap of perfectionism? Because being conscientious of details, doing a thorough job, presenting things well done rather than sloppy, like those are good things. So the key is to keep tabs on where our heart is at. When we're simply focused on doing a job well, our hearts will be at rest. We might be tired from the hard work, but we're at peace. And when it's time to submit the work, we let it go. And we know we've done the best we could and we move on to the next thing. But when we fall into perfectionism, we feel hounded, ill at ease, unable to rest or to submit the work, to let it go because we're, we become obsessive about it. We uh, refuse to let it go because we think, well, if I can just keep working at it, I will somehow reach this elusive state of perfection. And that's not really a healthy place to be. So instead of trusting that the hard work we did is enough, we'll always fear that we haven't done enough. It's kind of like that quote from the beginning of the episode, excellence seeks to benefit others and do a good job. And that's a way of operating out of love. But if we're operating out of fear and obsessing over if we've done enough and if it will reflect poorly on us, then we're pursuing perfection. There's so much more that I could say on this subject, but it'll have to be saved for a future episode. So for now, I'll leave you with one of my favorite quotes by Teddy Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place will never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. I have this quote on a poster in my room because I am in constant need of this reminder. Perfectionism is that critic. It's constantly nitpicking, pointing out where we've stumbled or where we could have done things better. But that is not what matters. What matters is that you are brave enough to do something. In a world of sideline observers, that's becoming more and more rare to find. So don't listen to the voice of that internal critic anymore. You've got to keep doing the things that are on your heart to do. I'll tell you one last story before I go. A couple of months ago, I turned 27. A coworker of mine asked me, so Kimmy, not to make you feel uncomfortable or anything, but how do you feel now that you're officially in your late 20s? And I laughed and I said, being closer to 30 doesn't actually bother me, but what does bother me is the feeling that I should be so much further along than I am right now. I feel like I haven't done enough with my life, like I'm behind, like everything that I have done or tried to do is not enough. And he looked at me and he said, well, whose voice is that? Seriously, think about it, because I'll tell you this, that's not the voice of Jesus. Y'all, that stunned me. I'd always thought of those feelings as just my own thoughts, but I'd never stopped to think maybe I was just listening to the wrong voice. Because that is the voice of the critic. It's the voice of the thief. It's the voice of the enemy. 
It's the voice that says, we are not enough. We have not done enough. We don't have to listen to that voice anymore. Who you are is enough. What you bring to the table is enough. Where you are right now is enough because of Jesus. So rest in him, give it your all, and trust that his love never sees you as anything less than beautiful. And remember that mantra, maybe it will help you. It doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful or worthwhile or valuable or helpful or nourishing. Perfection is not what matters. Action does. An imperfect action keeps moving us closer to where it is that we need to be. Guys, I'll be honest, this was a hard episode for me. It might sound like I was preaching, but if anything, I'm just preaching to my own self. But I hope it encouraged you. I hope you gleaned some wisdom from it. And hey, if you're a fellow perfectionist or recovering perfectionist, I would love to hear from you. What stood out to you from the episode or what are some things that are helping you in your journey? You can send me a message on Instagram or via email. Both are linked on my blog. And if you'd like to see the show notes for this episode, just go to KimmyRuthWrites.com forward slash podcast and click the link for episode two. That will take you to the show notes page for this episode. And as always, stay curious, stay kind, and I'll see you next time. Bye.